Hello folks, welcome back to Feature Vector. I'm your host in a hurry, Baltic Joshi, and today's episode is about bias in generative AI. This episode can be listened to as well as watched. The opinions expressed in this episode are very much my own and not those of my employer. We can interrogate this topic by asking a question, a little bit of a rhetorical one, which is, is technology neutral? And I think the answer is really no. Uh, an easy way to interrogate this is by doing a little thought experiment, which is just asking, what does neutral really mean? Neutral for who? Everyone's definition of neutral is different. And uh, because everyone's definition is different, there's no way that a machine can properly encapsulate the variety of viewpoints that make up an idea of what neutral is. Uh, the thing is, is that technology is made by people and people have preferences and these are biases which can then be mirrored in technology that is built. A great example of how bias shows up in real life is actually back from 2019 uh, from a soap dispenser in a Marriott hotel. Uh, and this soap dispenser would not dispense soap for dark colored skin, but would work for light colored skin. And this is a case where uh, whoever designed this probably unintentionally was not trying to be biased, but because they didn't factor in uh, dark colored skin, they weren't inclusive, they ended up building a quite biased piece of technology. At this point, it's not like bias in generative AI is particularly news. Uh, these generative AI systems generate clearly skewed results. And there are even some tools for exploring this, for, like, for example, like Miss Journey. So why is it that we want to get stuck into the details? Well, this one becomes a little bit of a personal one. Uh, so as in the previous episode of Feature Vector, I'd asked Stable Diffusion to generate uh, an image of me as a stunning wizard. And what it did was, was that it changed my uh, ethnicity. It changed me into a Caucasian person. And honestly, that really uh, it annoyed me. But on top of that, uh, I really wanted to get stuck into why. Like, why is it that this is happening? And so this... Uh, episode is going to be digging into exploring why this might have happened and perhaps even thinking about what we might be able to start doing about it. So in terms of doing something here, I think just going with a spec of, say, make it unbiased or make it neutral, that is unlikely to work. Again, you know, neutral can't really be agreed upon. Instead, what we do is, is that we make a choice about how we'd like the model to be able to represent the world, right? So we make a choice about the bias that is going to be encoded. And uh, it could be, for example, like a much fairer representation of the world, or it could be something that skews towards, you know, whatever set of values you'd like the model to be able to represent. it. And to make this work, we really got to then instead uh, approach this problem in three steps, which is modeling, which is sort of understanding sort of like what the bias is in the particular generative AI tool that we're looking at. Then there's policy, which is deciding, you know, how we'd like to be able to steer the bias. And then there's actual debiasing itself. So the uh, mitigation step and the mitigation is to try to fix the problem. So let's start at the first step, which is modeling. The generative AI system that I'm going to use to interrogate this is going to be Stable Diffusion, and I want to make it super clear that I'm not picking on Stable Diffusion in particular here. Uh, Stable Diffusion is open source, and it is the least obfuscated of the tools that I looked at for being able to interrogate this. Uh, and if you look at the model card for uh, Stable Diffusion itself, it indicates that yes, the model has bias, and it also explicitly encourages interrogating it to find the bias. So I felt like this is in the spirit of uh, being able to sort of like work with a model and try to learn what is going on. Now, 
Uh, it's also worth calling out that, you know, there has been a, a large amount of work that has been done already to try to sort of try to model the behavior of stable diffusion, including some excellent work from towards data science, uh, science examining how stable diffusion handles skin tone and skin tone generation. We need to look at the main components inside stable diffusion if we want to get a better idea about what is going on with bias here. And stable diffusion is really made of three models that have been glued together. Um, the first at the start of the model is what's called the text encoder. And what the text encoder will do is that it will map the prompt, which is made of words, into concepts, right? So this idea of visual concepts. Uh, then those get passed into the diffusion step, which turns the concepts into a composition plus the concepts themselves. And then there's the decoder, which will then take all of that and actually turn it into an image that you could see. So the text encoder is uh, powered by a piece of technology called Clip, which was pioneered by OpenAI. And what it does is, as mentioned earlier on, it converts the words and they're mapped into concepts. And what's really interesting is, is that we can do a very strange thing, which is compare the concepts. So if you like sort of a kind of concept algebra, right? Um, so what we can then do is that we can basically take two concepts and measure how similar they are. Um, so if cat and dog, um, if you compare those two terms, they've got what's called a cosine similarity score of 0.75. So they're quite similar. But if we compare two things that are unalike, so cat and chair, we get a similarity score of 0.21. Uh, so the hypothesis here is, is that we can use this similarity to try to predict bias, right? So we can say, let's start with a photo of a person. And then uh, we'll see, okay, is it more similar to a photo of a white person or a photo of a black person? So if it's more similar to white, then we can probably reasonably infer that it's more likely to generate a picture of a white person than it is to generate, say, a black person. Now that we have this tool that allows us to compare concepts and use it to make, for example, like hypotheses about what is most likely to be generated, uh, can we go back to stunning to see whether it predicts this uh, result that it may skew towards Caucasian? And sure enough, uh, stunning man is most similar to, say, stunning white man versus a stunning black man or stunning Asian man. So, you know, could this be the source of the problem? Uh, so what I did was I put together a tool uh, on a Hugging Face space where you can explore the bias specifically just inside the text encoder in Stable Diffusion, and you can run these comparisons yourself. So, for example, you could have a look at CEO. So this is a uh, rather somewhat already at this point sort of famous example where it skews towards generating mostly Caucasian males, um, and we wanted to see, okay, you can you can use this tool to have a look at CEO and see, okay, how similar is a just a vanilla CEO to a white CEO versus is black CEO, and sure enough, it skews towards white in that particular case. Um, but you can also just have a go yourself in terms of looking at how ethnicity and gender map to qualifiers like angry or beautiful and uh, particular job roles and see uh, how they map in terms of the bias that's there. And there's also tabs on the right-hand side to enter your own queries to see sort of like make some predictions, at least in terms of how things operate inside the text encoder, in terms of how similar these terms are. The results with the text encoder are interesting, but it doesn't conclusively show what is going to go on. So uh, what I did next was that I pushed this all the way through, right? And uh, I asked Stable Diffusion to generate you know, a particular class, and then I just simply counted the ethnicity and gender representation for that given query. 
the first thing to do is to then just baseline what is going on, right? So in all of our tests, uh, I generate 128 images and manually label them to say sort of like, you know, what the ethnicity and gender is going on here. Um, it's, you know, it's worth calling out that yes, we could be much, much, much more sophisticated here with the, uh, you know, the full spectrum of ethnicity and gender that is, you know, that exists in the real world. But uh, I've simplified it down here for the purposes of testing and exploration, right? So that was a very conscious choice that I made. Okay, so let's have a look at the baseline results, right? So if we just ask Stable Diffusion to generate an image of a person, it is very strongly biased towards generating white overall, right? So it has a mix of other ethnicities. This is not great, but maybe that's just sort of an opinion here. But, you know, it definitely does uh, generate a range of ethnicities and genders when you do pass in a generic query for sort of like a picture of a person, right? And the expectation here is, is that, you know, if this was a fair system, if we qualified this with, say, beautiful or angry or a particular job description, then we'd like to see, for example, like a similar spread, right? We don't want to see a similar spread of ethnicities and genders when we run that particular query. So let's try this, right? Ask it to generate a picture of a stunning person. And the results here were astonishing, right? It massively skews towards generating uh, Caucasian males, right? Arrogant same sort of thing skews towards uh white ceo again as we mentioned earlier on is a classic example it skews towards white and male janitor is another interesting one so janitor has a, a little bit of an ethnic distribution but it skews exclusively male right so there are no female generators in the 128 examples that i got it to run uh cashier is another example right so uh, cashier skews strongly towards Caucasian female. So already what we're seeing here is, is that, you know, as compared to the text encoder, uh, when we actually push things all the way through, there seems to be some sort of collapse here where it strongly biases towards uh, particular genders and uh, particular ethnicities. The key issue here is around what's called representational harm. Now, this term was coined by Kate Crawford at her seminal talk uh, at New Rips in 2017. And she defined representative harm as harms that occur when systems reinforce the subordination of some groups along the lines of identity, right? So let's dig into that. Why is this a big deal? You could just say, go to stable diffusion and just ask for what you want, right? So if you specify ethnicity and gender, you get exactly what you want. But the issue with that is, is that it's unfair by default. And it puts work on groups that are minimized or not represented. And the other thing that I found sort of somewhat less formally is that there's arguably poorer diversity in terms of aesthetics when you have to specify attributes, right? So as soon as you start narrowing things down, you get less of a choice in terms of aesthetic diversity as well. Uh, and that is a whole long conversation all on its own. Stepping away then from the modeling of the problem, right, finding out how bad things are, let's talk a little bit about policy, right? So now that we found a harm or that we found unfairness, what are we going to do about it? Let's prompt it with a thought experiment again. We found what's unfair. What does fair look like? You know, do you want to go with a fair representation that represents, say, some sort of demographic reality? Or do you want to go with some sort of thing that is uh, more aspirational, right? And the key thing here really is, is that this isn't a technology problem. 
this is making a choice and this is a policy problem. And I think it's nearly impossible to take sort of like a truly neutral stance as I've something else that I've called out multiple times during this episode. And this is about sort of picking which flavor of bias that you want, picking how you want your model to be able to represent the world. Like again, sort of like is it demographic or aspirational and just baking that into the steering work that you put into it. So when it comes to making this choice, the handy thing here is is that it helps separate the science work from the policy work, right? So the science work here is about trying to steer the bias, and it means that we can separate out the policy work, which is tricky and sticky and difficult and really hard to get into. It makes it responsive, right? So if the policy isn't good enough, if it goes out of date, if social norms change, then what you can do is is that you can adjust the policy and then just rerun this to sort of try to make things fair relative to the new policy that you have. So now let's talk about mitigations, right? So we found the problem. We've got an idea of how we'd like things to look if they were going to be more fair and we want to be able to fix it. And let's set some expectations from the outset here, right? Uh, bias is a moving target and the goal here is harm reduction, not elimination. Let's look at an early one here, which is dataset cleaning. Uh, lots of thoughts around dataset cleaning for trying to sort of eliminate bias and trying to make them more fair. Uh, I think you can't ever remove bias from a dataset. Uh, it's made by people. People are biased. It's just something we do as a species. Um, and you know, my particularly not particularly spicy take on it is that trying to clean a data set to remove bias is somewhat doomed from the outset, right? Sooner or later, somebody's going to get upset about some sort of bias that we hadn't thought about in it. Um, and the other thing here is, is that I'm not 100% sure that it will work, right? I think there may be some sort of mechanical thing here at play with deep neural networks that really means that if there's any bias at all in the data set, it becomes magnified, right? So this was evidenced in GANs in early version, earlier version of image generation models where we had this thing called mode collapse that magnified the bias that was there. And as we can see, the difference between, uh, you know, the predicted bias in the text encoder and what actually happens at the output, there's some sort of bias multiplayer, uh, here at play. Um, and I think it's maybe some sort of mechanical failure in terms of how we train uh, these ML models. And I think digging into this is going to be a really interesting topic, probably for the next sort of year or so. So now we've got these thoughts about sort of like, how can we manage bias in generative ML? Could this perhaps be applied elsewhere? I mean, maybe. I'm going to waggle my eyebrows here a little bit and uh, say, okay, maybe what we can do is that we can look at trying to steer the bias, uh, for example, by uh, messing about with visual concepts. So looking at the tokenizer level uh, and seeing whether if we can rectify the bias at that stage, could that improve the uh, the bias in the output? Um there's also, uh, you know, potentially the idea of using fine tuning and conditioning to clean up things on the output side as well, right? So taking those last few layers of the network and really just sort of like telling the model, how would you like to be more fair? How would you like to be more representative? But that feels very heavy handed uh, and it potentially could impact it in ways that we can't predict, right? So if we fix one bias, maybe all it does is that it reinforces another, right? So it becomes a little bit of a game of whack-a-mole. Um, so I think the mitigation side of this is going to be an ongoing challenge. Again, another exciting area of research over the next year or so.
in the near future, I'd love to be able to do a little bit of a uh, workshop on this with uh, along, alongside sort of other industry practitioners here. Um, and I'd be really interested to chat about, uh, you know, tools for uh, bias measurement and mitigation. Uh, also sort of like start getting into stuck into some of the details here around uh, alignment in uh, generative ML models. I know that's been a little bit of an on and off topic. Uh, it'd be really cool to sort of get stuck into those details and see whether they can be practically applied to help reduce the issues in these models. Thanks for sticking with me through this video. I don't want you to walk away thinking that this problem is intractable, like it's unsolvable. Uh, technology has always been biased and part of the problem is, is that the solution is societal. Uh, and these models, what they do is, is that they reflect uh, the online reality of how we live as human beings back into us and that reflection back into our faces can often be pretty ugly and I think these uh, models have forced us to sort of examine that up close. But I don't think the response here is to give up um, and I'm hoping that what we can do is, is that we can engage and really give this a go. Please see below this video if you want to have a look at some further reading and some links to be able to start playing around with examining the bias inside generative AI. Uh, thank you for sticking with me. This was Feature Vector and I was your host, Pothic Joshi, and hopefully I'll catch you at the next one. Thank you.